0: Uh, all right, hey everybody, this is Scoots, and this is a kind of a recap and looking forward episode from our episodically modular series Get Bessos. Uh, the tale of uh, Richard Warren Sears and James Cash Penny's uh, uh, return to Earth. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, and I do these recap episodes one. Uh, because it really helps me in the creative process when I'm transitioning from one series to another to kind of look back and see what worked, what didn't work, what I could learn from... And it also helps me give me a few extra days of prep uh, for the new series without having to m- maybe miss any releases or maybe we take one week off. Uh, so we'll see. I, I don't know. The, the, the releases are so far in the future, about uh, two months. And I always talk about process and the workflow for the show and stuff like that. So... Uh, You know, some of these uh, recover some of the same stuff, but a lot of new stuff. And maybe if we have time, we'll talk about some of the ideas for the upcoming series and uh, what it's going to be like or what I'm anticipating and, uh, you know, how I'm going to handle that. So, uh, because those are interesting questions that I'm wondering about myself. So that's a couple of things we're covering and also, I mean, it just happens to be that I'm recording this. When I started making the season at Get Passos and when I'm finishing, like, things have in a much different place as all of us are. And that does, like, uh, well, I try to be as sensitive as I can and talk around stuff and be indirect, it has, like, it really recontextualizes uh, the how and the why I make the show. So I'm sure that I'll come up in some indirect ways because it's definitely, especially when you make a podcast. Well, here's a couple of things. So we'll start with this about the production process of the show, just in case you haven't heard this or, you know, it's it's pretty chill. So it might relax you too. So let's see. I'll talk about how Sleep With Me is released and then uh, a little bit about the pre-production and post-production parts of the podcast and the production side. So, sleep with me comes out twice a week. New full episodes come out on Sunday and Wednesday, both in the Patreon feed and in the free feed. The patrons get their episodes early, and we'll kind of talk. Maybe I could talk about that. Like, that's kind of built into our workflow. And I see when I say workflow, I mean all the stages of making the podcast that uh, end up with a finished product. And since you might be new to this, like uh, some of this might be a surprise to you, to produce produce and administer and put out Sleep With Me, at this point it takes, I think, I'm pretty sure over 100 hours of labor combined labor a week. That includes all the work I put on the show, uh, the work that the editors and uh, the mystery bard and my brother and all the administration of the podcast at Night Vale and PRX. It's actually probably much over 100 hours at this point, uh, 40, 80, at least 120, I would guess, Uh, just because as the podcast grows, the needs to support it and administer it, the, the time that goes into that also grows. So, so this might be news to you that yeah there's a like even though there's a free and easy sound to sleep with I me mean, it is ideally sounds as effortless as possible uh the 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 way we achieve that is by like a lot of work both in production and administration so okay, so where what was my point of leading into this oh so Oh, so why the release schedule and, and that? So it comes out on Sundays and Wednesdays. Once upon a time, it came out on Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. But we could never um, generate like the support between Patreon and sponsorships to just make that work uh, uh, from a work like a work and just just didn't work. And maybe two and a half years ago, we cut back into two episodes, and we've been doing two episodes a week since then. And that's worked pretty well. But we still have, from the original part of the podcast, we put out three styles of episodes that we alternate between all three. And there's three very distinct styles of episodes. TV recap episodes, where I recap a TV show. Uh, episodes called Trending Tuesday style episodes, which are also potpourri. They could be episodes built on randomization, personal essays, personal, like looks back at nostalgic things, unboxings, uh, cooking, uh, guest hosted shows by Ray or Bernie or Reginald Cusack or seminars. So just kind of random one-off episodes, though some of them have reoccurring characters that are always usually individual episodes, at least over the past four years they have been. And then we have our, our episodic series, written series episodes. So in a normal episode cycle, you you could start with anyone, but one episode, like if, uh, if, uh, if it was a Wednesday and a TV recap episode came out on a Wednesday... Uh, then on Sunday would be a trending Tuesday, random style potpourri episode. Then on the next Wednesday would be a series like our episodic series episodes. Then on the Sunday would be a TV recap. Then on the Wednesday would be a random episode. Then on the Sunday would be an e- our episode series, a written series and there's a few reasons that we do that and and that kind of developed around episode 150 i think uh, maybe maybe not even till 300 i have to look back and there's two reasons that, that one is that not everybody the podcast is uh, a lot of listeners choose what they listen to based on what they what has worked for them in the past or just their general impressions they say well i don't know if i like the sound of that one or, and sometimes, you know, you, you, I think everybody should try everything because uh, sometimes people have like uh, expectations about the TV recap episodes. But some listeners have been listening long enough. They know what works from they know what doesn't. And I've been making the show for whatever, seven, over seven years or something. And I I constantly have to relearn this lesson, but it constantly is powerful. So you can't please everybody all the time. Like everybody says, you can only do your best. And in the case of a sleep podcast, what that means is having a varied selection for listeners to choose from. That's both, uh, well, the, the content that feels fresh and new, but also familiar but yeah, so that people have their favorites, and they say, oh, "Okay, I can go back to these favorites," or "Oh, this is very similar to my favorites." And so that's one part of it. But also, the other part of it is that a lot of work goes into the show. Like I said, in that the what I stumbled on in the first few years of making the show is that each one of these styles of episodes takes a different kind of work to make it, and what that results in is having a balanced week for me as far as the types of work I'm doing, or actually it's not a week anymore, but it's like, uh, the production of the show is more balanced in what reservoirs of energy are getting drained. So for example, the TV recap episodes, I watch, believe it or not, the TV show four or five times. And at some point I'm watching it very like in a few minute bursts and taking tons of notes, uh, and then I'm preparing my notes and I'm preparing research and I'm preparing transcripts and getting the episode ready. So it's kind of like a, a a different part of my brain. It's like I'm focusing on getting as much information as I can and then I'm making the episode based on all of my notes that I have uh, so that I can make tangents based on those notes or just use the notes uh, to talk to the audience, to talk to you about the episode. So in some sense, I'm writing it, the episode, while I'm watching the the show for, like, the last or the second to last time and taking a lot of notes. And I'll put jokes in there or whatever and descriptions and stuff. And then the episode's kind of being rewritten again as I'm making it. But it just is, like, it's a little bit more... Uh, it's based on something a little bit more concrete. I'm not starting from zero, so it's just it, it it's a different muscle that I work Then the trending Tuesday or Tuesday episodes. Those episodes I'm kind of always preparing for, like uh, constantly collecting ideas, or doing you know research, or keeping lists of episode ideas, or randomizing ideas. Or trying to form memories or look at old memories and say, huh, would that be interesting for an episode? And so those take, like, the pre-production part or the prep part is a little bit different. And then those episodes are by far, well, they're very difficult to make. The recording of them takes longer and it's very, very draining because I have to stay in the moment And I'm more creating, most of that's being created uh, while I'm recording it, though I do can take multiple takes, uh, which you don't necessarily ever hear. But if I don't like how something's going, like I heard how something sounded, I could pause and take a break. Though I do try not to be a perfectionist when I'm recording, because that would get in the way of uh, being in the moment. So those are very draining but the prep, prep part isn't as draining. And then there's the written episodes. And when I say written, I have a two-week writing cycle for episodic series like Get S.O.S. or Nuns in Space or our next series. And so after I record an episode the next morning, I'll start writing the next episode. And uh, over the next two weeks, I'll write the episode. I'll, I'll applaud it. I'll break the story, figure out what's going to happen and then I'll record it. So that kind of leads in. That's a nice transition point to talk about this series, Get Bassos. And I can talk about how I did that process with this series. And that'll probably just bring up more natural thoughts about the series in general. So I don't know if this is our first season three. I guess it is. And if or maybe we did three seasons of... uh after the Glass Slipper, but I'm not. I guess maybe we did do three seasons of After the Glass Slipper, and that would make sense because of our original series. After the Glass Slipper was our first series, and Get Bassos was our second series, and so uh, yeah, I think maybe this is our second series. With in what's interesting is at the beginning of the show, I mean, in the early years, the the series would be much longer. I mean, one because we were putting out three episodes a week, so I needed much more material and content. And two, just because like I hadn't yet as much feedback, it, 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 I've see, found that uh, with a series, like twelve episodes is enough for a series, especially with coming out choice a week. It, it covers a pretty long uh, set of months, like maybe a third of a year. Well, actually. Yeah, about a third of a year, twelve twenty. Yeah, about a third of a year, and that like that. Uh, um, that gives people a chance to have some still some selection within the year. Uh oh, and then this I guess this goes back to the recording stuff. So, like another thing people might not know, and part of this writing process is I'm doing this, uh, well before the episodes come out. So I'll write an episode over two weeks, and then I'll record it. And the writing process can be good or, you know, it can go well or it could go, you know, not easy. Uh, and then the recording process doesn't always necessarily, like I notice that I do feel a lot of pressure most of the time, no matter how the writing process went before I record, that I want to procrastinate one more day or write for one more day, but I do have deadlines, so I say, no, no, let's get it recorded today, because uh got to be done today. So then what will happen is, after I record it, like uh, and usually I record the show in segments, so I'll record for, actually for this episode as an example, I'm recording the episode on a Friday, and then at some point this weekend, on Saturday or Sunday, I'll record the intro and the thank yous for this episode. Normally, I had planned on recording the intro on the thank yous yesterday, but I started recording an intro yesterday and then something about Star Trek came up. and it just made sense to do end up directing that intro to a Star Trek episode because it came up in the intro. Uh, so it kind of being flexible. But so then I record everything and I upload it uh, for one of the editors to work on. And this is usually, with the episodic, or the modular, episodically modular series, we're usually only, I'm usually four, in a perfect world, I'd be six, eight, six to eight episodes ahead of the release. Uh, but usually it's really hard with the episodic, because the episodes have to be written, and it takes two weeks uh, to get more than four episodes ahead. So like four episodes are done. So while you're listening to episode two, three, four, five, six, I'd be working on episode seven. Yeah, Anything less than having four episodes prepared kind of uh, doesn't necessarily work well for me because it's very constraining if something unexpected were to happen or I want to take a break. Uh, we like usually I take two vacations a year, and they're usually at least partial working vacations. But so, if I do take a vacation, and I don't write during that vacation. You know, it just can fall off. Like in the podcast, like, uh, like, like it does need it constantly. Is like a it's like a pet. It constantly eats choice a week. I mean, this pet each choice a week but I'm actually making the food for the pet uh, from scratch. So it's much easier if you say, okay, I'm making the food this week and then freezing it so you can have it in four to to eight weeks. And then for the other two style episodes, it vacillates between eight and six episodes ahead. And again, one that gives the editors time to edit, then me time to uh, get the files listen to them, make any other changes. Then I do something called mixing, which is like putting everything to get all the parts together and the music and everything that you end up hearing for the patrons and then the the public feed. Uh, So that's all part of the workflow process. Um, so that's like a bit, of a little bit, you know, there's a benefit to that. Well, there's also a big benefit. It's like if I'm ahead on the like, like episodes, then I can also be flexible, particularly with the Tuesday-style episodes. Like if I have eight episodes done, then I have the ability to start curating episodes or producing the next episode based on a need. For example, like we have about six, seven, eight episodes done or we did two weeks ago. And I had feelings about everything that's happening, and trying to metaphorically talk about that. And so I said, "Okay, well, I have these a couple of these episode ideas that might would fit. Uh, their ways of indirectly uh, hel- helping people get some rest and and and, and feel like uh, they're heard at the same time." Uh, these episodes about swimsuits, and so. Like I was able to produce, those, record those, and then move those. At, well, they're not, I think one's edited and one's in process, and so those will be moved up ahead in the queue, so that they come out in a little more timely fashion. Or if, like sometimes with the random potpourri episodes, I might just be in a place where I'm edited, like I'm I have similar ideas. So it's like okay, I'll record both those episodes and then stretch them out. Uh, like maybe Ray. I know I recorded a Ray episode, of like, uh, like uh, like in January or February. And I may have recorded two of them in, in a, like, a week or two span. I'm not positive about that. That's, like, in the back of my mind. I'm like, did I record two Ray episodes or just one? So that's just another thing. So the writing process. So the writing, as far as writing an episode of Get Back it's very similar writing uh, uh, everything except for this new series we're doing, which is going to be a little bit different—not um, too different, but uh, what happens with this series, r- r- get is that like let, let's just say it's a like well, normally I record on a Thursday or Friday, so let's say I record on a Friday, so Saturday is day one of writing, and it's actually not two weeks; it would be whatever a week minus an ideal. I'd record it on a Thursday or Friday like 10 or 12 days later. And you can see how the episodes come out every 10 days. So those two days, like at some point, I got to figure out a way to make up those days, you know, because otherwise over the year, it evaporates all our time, which is stuff I play with. And I've done this long enough that I'm able to do that. But so, okay, so usually on the first day, I'll read something In like, uh, for example, not for the last few series, but I'll read something like about the Enneagram. That was what I used for Superdoll, I I think, or maybe for another series. And then I'll say, okay, well, what character, what part of the Enneagram is this character? And then I'll kind of play around with that and be like, oh, okay, interesting. And then I'll play with some like uh, things and I'll be like, oh, how can we come up with a theme of this episode for this character in the enneagram, which actually this is useful to talk about, because now I say, oh, okay, I could you go back to the enneagram for this new series, maybe? And then I say, well, how can I use the enneagram, which is just a personality thing, like a, a like a personality t- tool or a self help tool? I say, okay, well, how can I use the enneagram to get to understand this character better? And, like, just go from there uh, on the first day or two. And then it's like, okay, using that, what I learned in the first day or two about the character or about the plot, sometimes it's more about what is the conflict uh, or some sort of need or some sort of uh, obstacle. But whatever it is, and then I try to build the episode based on that. So that day three of the writing, I say, okay. So, I learned that people with this and this place in Enneagram have trouble with this. Uh, okay, what could happen in the episode? And then it's also like thinking about the overarching uh, things or what ideas have come up. Uh, and then saying, okay, so, okay, then if that's kind of like what we're thinking thematically is the conflict, what's the specific conflict? like if they have a problem with assertiveness I uh, say okay well so thematically this character is going to struggle with assertiveness uh, then I start to brainstorm uh okay what is it uh what is the challenge you know what's coming up and, and just kind of playing with that uh until like I can come up with like a beginning and an end or some sort of obstacle or antagonist or challenge that fits with that that appeals to me, that makes me excited so I can write about it. And then the rest of the time is kind of spent building plot points like beginning, middle and end more or less uh, for them to go through and I've kind of used different types of story uh, structures uh, and uh, like but, but it's mostly just uh, okay, what happens then what happens next? what happens next? And, like, a lot of times it's, like, trying to come up with ideas, kind of trying to come up with questions, going down uh, one-way streets and saying, okay, this didn't work, we got to backtrack, or this idea is not landing, and then wondering why. Now, what's interesting is, like, I've tried to alternate over the past few years between, a, 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 like, a re, like, a new season of a, a series we already did and then a new series. And that's basically we've been alternating with more or less uh, over the past few years, at least I'm aware of. And then on the holidays, I guess it it is more of a... Sometimes we'll do a repeat, sometimes... I don't don't know. I don't even know. Oh, we did the cookie adventure, and last season was the holiday shop. And the season before that was... uh, as the North Pole turns. So, yeah, maybe this is holiday season we'll do as the North Pole turns. I don't know. This is pretty far out. But that's also how far I plan. So, uh, so let's see. So, that's so. where are we? Um, okay, so this one had, re- like, so this season I've been trying to come up with an idea. I wanted to do another episode of Get Bassos because I really love the characters. I love their relationship. Uh, I mean, inadvertently, I think the last time we had a season of Get Passos was in the like, what is it? The, we're in the, it was in the not in the like in the like like in the 20, 14, 15 era. Uh, so it's just interesting, like thinking about Richard Warren Sears as a character now. Even when I started the series, like recording, which would have been in like November December like thinking about Richard Warren, like it really put Richard Warren Sears in a new context uh, of trying to not make, to trying to add some depth to Richard Warren Sears's character while still maintaining what I love about him uh, so that he doesn't become uh, just a, j- j- like, just because so he could be his own character, even though his character may have similarities to other characters out there in the world. The, Richard Warren Sears was never based on like a cur, cur, current character in our current times. Uh, Richard Warren Sears was based on an amalgamation when I first came up with Richard Warren Sears back in 2014 or 13. But so that actually is helpful because I say, okay, I do have to try to add he's not a really nuanced character. So trying to work with that was exciting to me as someone that makes stuff to be like, okay, how am I going to still add some nuance? So you have some nuance from anybody you'd be similar to uh, so that this doesn't feel like this character is supposed to be a statement because Richard Warren Sears is a statement, but it's a, he's a statement about uh, people like uh, Richard Warren Sears, not about anybody else uh, or uh, people that behave in a similar manner. I don't know, or not trying to be, so it doesn't seem like a ham-handed thing, because Richard Warren Sears is just so, I don't know, I think you know what I'm saying. So that's one thing that was fun. in working with characters I really already know is really exciting, because, uh, like, especially Richard Warren Sears and James Cashpenny, Richard Warren Sears is very brash and uh, confident, and uh acts first and thinks later and is not the most considerate person in the world uh they have he has a big ego and then james cashwini like james Cashpenny's his character has actually evolved in a different way uh where like james Cashpenny is a little bit removed from his flaws or his flaws have evolved over the years I mean, a lot of that is just due to time constraints and and stuff like that. And to make him fit, like, uh, he's still the same person. It's just some of his flaws in the earlier series. Like, I tried to make him human and it gets he's not human anymore. So that's like kind of part of it, but he's just changed as part of like his evolution of all these journeys. So James Cash Penny is a little bit more down-to-earth. He's very confident, too. Actually, more confident, but he's competent and confident. And he's almost like a he's like it plays a role of balancing out Richard Warren Sears. He loves Richard Warren Sears. Richard Warren Sears loves him. They both love Jif very much. And so writing for them is very enjoyable. And then, of course, because they have this very— close uh, but they don't really the antagonism its more like they've worked so long together like other partners they have like a shorthand that I know well so it's not even like an antagonistic relationship anymore it's like this is how we work together so how can we work to even though we know this about ourselves and how we work together so how can we make that work in this episode in this story and then I knew, of course, one of the challenges of making this is they always have to get besos. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called get Bessos. So, so that was like one of the challenges was coming up with the, what was the season going to be. Now, I knew what the season was going to be about. That's when I was like, okay, like to say it got greenlit was whatever, six months ago or whatever, saying, oh, okay, that's what the season's going to be about thematically. Uh, and I'll talk about that, but like, so then it's like, how do we get Jif involved? And also deciding that, uh, Jif wasn't going to be a character, a character, Jif G- was going to have an impact and a presence in this season, but not be a character. And that's just mostly something I've learned over time is that Jif, uh, or that the limit, the more we can limit the number of speaking characters, the show just seems to flow better, though of course this next episode, this next series I don't know like it that we may be like uh, changing the rules and that's good to change the rules because then we have to learn I have to learn new skills uh, and stay within the context of the sleep podcast. So thematically, I knew what this season was going to be about and so again this the idea for this season probably came about in sometime in the middle of 2019 at some point. And I actually may have come sooner and then I forgot it, but I was like, uh, or maybe it came later. I don't know. But, uh, it was basically an idea that's come up on this episode, uh, particularly in Tom and impound or in the podcast many times before of like, it comes up in, with Tom and impounds in their series that was tucked into all the game of Thrones episodes is like, uh, in a source of like uh, in, interpersonal things that could use help is uh, stuff that goes on in the internet, especially on social platforms. And uh, what does that mean for us as like humanity and what does that mean that this is like a private business or whatever a public business or a company that, that's like their platform? And it has these, like a stone in a pond, it has these ripples that impact people and communities in ways. And then also looking at the behavior of people in communities and saying, wow, that can be both interesting and not easy for me in my day-to-day life to see or deal with. Uh, even these small-scale things that in, in some strange way, now when I'm making a show, talking about this in... Uh, I don't even know what month or date. April of 2020, it takes on a whole new meaning, right? Uh, but, like, how can these small things, like, so those are just the things I was curious about thematically. Is like, oh, there's all these things that, uh, like, like. so I'll just talk about them because they were in episodes. Uh, straws, uh, seeing people's strong feelings about straws here in California. Or parking, like, uh, he, I know those were two things. Or people's, like, when, I mean, all the messages I get that aren't necessarily the, the easiest to, to absorb. Or thinking about that with movies, like, uh, or I don't even know what the other ones were right now off the top of my head. But, like, thinking about those things and saying, okay. And then then it was trying to fit Jiffin, and it was like, okay, well, this makes sense that there's, like, this... Uh, and, I mean, this is this was ham-handed. I guess on in, in uh, I mean, because the person wasn't really a character in the series, they were also a presence. Was Zebiff uh, just like Jif, They're fictional characters based on real. Uh, they're Im- influenced strongly, right? Uh, and the idea of Zebif being representative of this giant platform uh, that has these impacts on communities and people. Uh, in the way they use that platform, and that maybe there's some pollution in there. I mean, that was the underlying thing this season. is like, this is some static or some pollution, and what is it doing? And then that was kind of the procedural part was like, okay, if this is a specific, specific thing that's happening about straws, and how straws are impacting this community and then how the use of a social media and shopping platform is impacting this community. Uh, what can we do to resolve it? And what was interesting about writing it was I didn't know the answer. You know, I do, like I don't write stuff because I know stuff. I write stuff because there's interest questions and things that interest me. And so I didn't really know the answers to these questions and... I mean, why are humans human? I mean, we don't really know, right? Uh, Why do we behave in such wonderfully, uh, not always wonderfully human ways? Like even our own behavior, my own behavior, I say, well, I don't know. Why am I, you know? So it's more like, uh, I mean, sometimes looking at it with wonder and actually being able to look through the eyes of the characters didn't necessarily make it easy for me. But one of the very, very, very unexpected things... Uh, and that had a nice thematic alignment was that they weren't solving the problems. Uh, They were band-aiding things. Every time for the first multiple ones, uh, they were not fixing anything or anything underlying. They were merely putting band-aids on stuff or coming up with uh, whatever, something, uh, what do they say? Like they weren't like, they were just saying, Oh, well that's, what's bugging you. What's the deal with the fact that you're bugged, uh, by, Oh, the pet, the pet, leaving your pet stuff behind instead of actually saying, well, why do you do that? Like those questions were just too, too. They weren't solvable by the characters. And so the characters and I, we constantly had the same way are writing where they're saying, well, we keep doing the same thing. Like, uh, and they we had this conversation, like Sid, are you, did you put us back in HG double Hockey Sticks or not? Because this is starting to feel, like, this is like on-the-nose conversations I have with the characters that don't necessarily make it to the podcast. And so now I'm taking them off the nose again to tell you at bedtime, but he's saying, is this like some practice where you're putting us in a new HG double Hockey Sticks? Like, is any of this real, is Hearth real, is Jif real, is Zbiff real? Or are you? is this just an illusion and we're just supposed to be doing this? Uh, and at first I said, well, maybe to figure, does it matter? Like, would you still help uh, or still try to find Jif? Uh, and they said, well, we would still, I mean, R.W. wasn't sure, but Richard or James Cashman he was like, yeah, we'll still try to find Jif. Why not? Even if we're in double Hockey sticks, we'll still make the most of it. Uh, and... But it was also like, huh, like, uh, that's interesting to me that you both feel that way, and it, it's really informative about the situation. And uh, maybe I'll just leave it open-ended, whether that was true or not. I mean, I, well, I, if you feel like that's true, that's good. But, like, I also feel like there was a, a great reality to the situation, and actually it makes it more powerful that it was real in reality. And so every episode was like kind of like that, where Rich Moore Sears and James Cash were setting out to kind of fix things. Uh, and they were kind of f- fixing things, but they were also learning the depth. In some sense, it helped uh, story wise because they were only able to partially help. Uh, uh, they were learning the the like strange intersection of humanity and social media and shopping platforms in this way uh, that even we as a society are curious about, but it hasn't been publicly, people publicly talk about it, but they don't really get listened to because it's like not that interesting. Right. Uh, So really helped me understand it all this a little bit better uh, that they were like, wait a second. Well, this, this intersection is more powerful than our ability to help, or does James Cash Penny's case, uh, do I need to let go of some of my control, or need to help and fix things? Uh, and then I, I don't know. I really enjoyed as the season developed uh, that Richard, like uh, that, they're again that Richard series was able to uh, change or evolve in a small way, and he's evolved in the other seasons too. But this one is very clear. That uh, it really be hard to fix things and uh, move forward to the end of the season uh, without being more open to being wrong and not being right. And the same thing with James Cash Penny. It's like uh, you have to learn to trust. Like, even though retorence here should never—judgment should probably never be trusted— Uh. He thinks it should, and he thinks he's actually evolved to the point where, because he believes he can be wrong and correct himself or apologize or make amends, that James should be able to trust him. And in some sense, James Cheshwani should be able to trust him and accept things. uh, Well, there's an inherent conflict there that I really love, right? He should be, as a character or a person, be able to let go and have faith and trust his friend. At the same time, his friend as a character and a person is probably, in, in, as James Cashpenny is a very more, they're both heroes, but James Cashpenny is a much more, like, a, a familiar, heroic character. How can a heroic character, uh, like, even if someone says they, they have changed and they can apologize... Uh, There's something not easy. There's not an easy solution there. And in the end, James Cashman, did trust Richard Warren Sears. And he did, of course, admit multiple times, and have to trust Richard Warren Sears within uh, solutions in the season, his judgment. But like for a global, something that could impact us globally or this new world globally, it was a much harder thing to be like, oh, okay, I'll just leave you here alone to fix things. Does show, I don't know, it's just, It's. Not, I don't know. I love that it's unresolved even for me. It's like, was that really a good idea? I understand you've grown as a person, James, and you want to trust that Richard Warren Sears and ZBIF can fix everything. Uh, but if you look at the history of Rich Warren Sears... Uh, He doesn't have any—he's never fixed anything. Like, uh, every time he's tried to fix something, at least in the series of Gepessos, it's not gone well for the most part. Or it hasn't gone well for everyone. Uh, But also the fact that I I really liked it because I didn't plan this, uh, that Rich Warren Sears would want to do something on his own— when characters act of their own volition or tell me, no, 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 I'd rather, like, uh, when things don't feel right and I have to keep probing, this is, oh, this is what feels right for you, that you want to do this, uh, I don't know, I, I, like, I'm like, wow, that's really, like, uh, brave of you, and maybe has shown you've changed. So then there's that, uh. So that's a little bit about that season. Again, I tried to make it and build it in a episodically modular way while there still was some seriality. And we still explored things thematically. I don't think anyone was actually blamed. I mean, that was another th- hard thing that came out of the writing, was like, who is ZBIF really? Do I reveal that? Do I not? uh uh, is zebif blameless or is Zbif sympathetic or not sympathetic uh, do we leave it a mystery and then in the end of like the care you know just enough exploratory writing led to the fact it's like no you're you are sympathetic and it's understanding uh and actually like I'll just talk about like one of the big influences was like uh, Trying to gain a better understanding, sometimes of like uh, LeBron James. Uh, this is a strange tangent, but like, so I'm a i am live in uh, like the Bay Area, so I like follow Golden State Warriors. Actually, like in J- LeBron James's first round with the Cleveland Cavs, I like went to a Cavs game with a Cavs fan, and I saw how much those uh, audience love LeBron. And I don't know sometimes I really like try to like uh, think about what LeBron James's life has been like because he was a kid. and I mean there's other people that have experienced this, but he's like probably one of the biggest global superstars. And like how is his if, like uh, like he didn't really have he didn't like he was so skilled and had so many expectations of him at such a young age. And had to mature so fast, uh, and take on all these responsibilities and the spotlight and everything. Like I don't know, like this is like LeBron James as a person. Like it just just makes me so curious. Like what was that like? Uh, like I mean specifically, just because it's and then like thinking about the past year, um, like uh, and other superstars. Like I, I don't know. I don't know, just constantly I can kind of, kinda of, and especially because uh I root for the Warriors and, and the Cavs and the Warriors uh uh like have had such a rivalry when LeBron was on the Cavs that uh you know when when you're 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 rooting for another team, it kind of makes you curious because you have strong feelings about the team you're rooting against. But then like thinking about this journey LeBron's been on And not that it's unprecedented or anything, but just so much in the spotlight and that he, like, I'm not saying he never got to be a kid, but he didn't necessarily get to be a young adult, uh, really. He had to go from, like, being a teen uh, to being, uh, having all these expectations and responsibilities. And again, very much like a I'm not saying... I'm just seeing it in a way like that. It, it really does stir up some empathy and com- curiosity of compassion in me, and makes it both uh, like it helps put it in a balance. Like so that Zebef had this uh, that he did have this r- r- like a responsibility for he in some sense uh, created this program when he was like 17 or whatever that became Zebef, the social media and shopping platform. I mean very similar to the you know, to reality. Uh but it just that emotional connection to LeBron in some sense helped me find the character to be like, okay, you don't have to be entirely sympathetic, but there is this emotional sympathetic understanding that yeah, this happened like you started this when you were a kid, and that you didn't have this transition period in your life, and now you have this gigantic social media and shopping sharing platform that has all these responsibilities and expectations to it, and your behavior, uh, you know, you're still maybe maturing. This is more about ZBIF and not about anybody else. And But Richard Warren Sears and James cash are saying, well, that still doesn't change the fact. Yes, it's a paradoxically difficult situation because you've created this thing. It's not necessarily under your control, but you're still the figurehead and the responsible for it. In some sense, and it has these impacts on these communities. So how can you do it different? Like how can we now start to fix things? Okay, so that was a tangent there. Uh, never thought I'd talk about that because I said, well, it's not really important, but that was really like was an important emotional keystone for me. So thanks, LeBron. Uh, and okay, let's, this, this is the first time I've talked, I'm pretty sure it's the first time I've talked about LeBron James and i rarely talk about sporting stuff uh, in the podcast. Uh, uh, so to go on to the next series and preparing the next series, it started yesterday. So today was my second day working on it, uh, because what is it? Friday, Wednesday, I recorded the last, uh, written episode of Get Basso's. And this series is going to be influenced by a TV show for the first time. I don't know if it, what you call it when it's like, a, like you say, oh, okay, like when The Simpsons does a like episode that's kind of influenced by a TV show or, or whatever. But uh, so I don't know, It'd be interesting. And It'll be taking a TV show uh, and trying to make it more, like mashing it up with something else. And it should be multi-character. I'm still trying to, I'm watching the first episode of the show. Actually, it's not a TV show, but it's a show or program. And watching the first episode and kind of seeing, uh, how are we going to do this? And again, are we going to be able to make this procedural, even though this is a serialized, uh, season-based show? And what characters can I trim down? But this will still be a little bit more of an ensemble piece. Uh, but then it's like, okay, well, are we going to have a narrator? I mean, I know who the main character is already. Like, uh, uh, So then it's like, okay, is she going to narrate everything? Is she going to be the only voice or will there be other characters that have voices? How will we do that? How many characters from the show, Well, how many characters can we combine on the show? Can we combine down so it makes it a little bit more manageable or just do sequences like we did with, um, as a North Pole turns and then, yeah, how can we keep it sleepy, but also make it procedural? Is that possible? I think so. Cause most everything that's in a show based is even if it's a series, uh, still has a procedure from episode or sequence within the sequences and the episodes. Or if not a procedure, it's still like uh, each show has its own story-like structure. So we'll see. I'm excited. And that's what I'm going to be working on. I may, this is a little teaser for anybody that's listening along here. I'm not positive about this, so you'll probably know, you'll know now, but I may do a Patreon-exclusive... Uh, series about it. it would probably be at one of the higher tiers in Patreon just because, uh, I'm trying to like do everything I can right now, uh, so we can maintain our current production schedule, uh, uh with Patreon, like because Patreon is a, a big part of that. Um, but I may do some sort of mini series uh, or shorter, still bedtime story episodes, or maybe they won't be bedtime story episodes like. Is a brainstorm each episode. So I don't know. You'll know. Ask if you, if you'd haven't seen it, ask me about it and I'll, I'll tell you what happened. If it's not out on uh, one of the, it'd probably be the $10 and $20 tiers of Patreon. And that's not to be exclusive or anything. It's just uh, the reality, keeping the podcast uh, going and free. Or where, you know, podcast is like, two percent or a little bit less support of show on patreon so it's like when there's like that uh it's like that's what keeps the show in balance so yeah i'm excited though either way the the new series that'll just be like a behind the scenes thing the new series will be out uh like like after you hear this it'll either be out um 10 days after you hear this or it'll be out uh a little bit longer, depending on how my runway is looking. So, yeah, that's it. Thanks so much for listening, and good night.